Let me say that again where you could hear it. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> you know, I love being the teaching pastor here, and every time I stand before you, I feel like when you see me up here, uh, you're really expecting me to take you to a deeper spiritual level uh, than maybe others uh, that preach. I think for me, you're, you're looking to go to the soul, to the, to the depths of spiritual truth. And to that end, I'd, I'd just like to start to get us to that place. I'd like to start by playing a little video. If you'd watch this, I think it'll take us deeper in spiritual truth. Ugh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Well, to me, that really kind of uh, says it all. And, uh, you know, we're, we're continuing our series on thriving. And uh, the whole series is, is really about no longer living without margin, developing some margin in our lives and not spending more than, than we have, not buying stuff that we can't afford, not wasting money, having enough money to participate in funding the things uh, in God's kingdom. And, you know, Darren spoke of uh, Nehemiah and, and the, the fact that there was no wall and Nehemiah led the people to build this wall, to have this margin of safety. And uh, if you remember, he, he talked about doing whatever it takes, like uh, eliminating pets. I don't know if he mentioned that in your service. Did he do that? Yeah. Uh, I had flown in on a red eye uh, that night and, and uh, heard a big amen from me down there in the 11 o'clock service uh, because my wife and I have a little uh, disagreement over how many pets we should have. And 
I wouldn't air our dirty laundry in front of you if I wasn't right. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he essentially, he was saying, do whatever it takes to build financial margin in your life. Now, uh, there's an outline, and there's a big long scripture from Matthew 25. And let me just tell you what this story is about. This is a story in the scripture that Jesus told about a man that, that leaves uh, five bags of uh, silver with one guy and two bags of silver with another guy and a bag of silver with another guy. The guy with the five bags of silver, he turns it into ten. The guy with the two bags of silver, he turns it into four. And the guy with the one bag of silver, he buries it. And when the master comes back, he's still got his bag of silver. And this guy is so angry, he takes the bag of silver away and he gives it to the other guys who did such a good job with investing. Now, to me, that's, that's just ironic. I mean, he still has the money. He didn't waste it. He didn't go spend it on something foolish, did he? I mean, we can't ignore that. Because the message is God expects us to do something with our money. Not just to not spend it foolishly, but to do something meaningful with it. In this day and age, you know, if he had given the other guys that, and then he gives the one guy this bag, and he comes back, he'd say, well, look, here's what I did. I, I made a down payment on a, a pontoon boat out there at Geist. And, and uh, you know, because after all, uh, we need to make memories as a family. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we got the one with the grill on it, and, and uh, we're out there, and we're fishing, and that lowers our cost of, of groceries because we're fishing out of the lake, and, and uh, we're making memories, and I feel really good about that, we would say. And, of course, I had to get a truck to haul the thing, but, hey, it was made in Detroit, and I'm really trying to revive the economy through that purchase, so I feel really good about that, too. I mean, if this was a modern-day story, there are a lot of worse things that could have happened with that thousand dollars than just to bury it and keep it in the ground. And so I, I really think that God is, is using that story to convict us that we need to do whatever it takes to do something spectacular uh, with our money that honors God. You know, uh, money talks, and often uh, it says goodbye. That, that's just its most frequent thing. And we need to help it say something different in our lives. Uh, one man said because of how he had invested his money, uh, he was able to sleep like a baby at night. And every hour he wakes up and cries and then, and then he goes back to sleep again because of his money woes. Well, to God, money is very important. He... he uh, He's got about 500 scriptures on prayer in the Bible and about 2,000 on money. He talks, uh, Jesus talked more about money than hell and salvation and the second coming because it's an indicator of our character. It's a spiritual barometer because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be also. In Luke 16.10, it says, hey, if you can't be faithful with stuff here on earth, how can you be counted on to deal with heavenly treasure? 
And so we, we're called to be responsible with the money that we have. So um, if, if you're at a place in your life where money is, is a problem, you're worried about it, uh, you have some but there's no joy, it produces stress, maybe uh, God has a message for you today. And so I've got three things to downsize that produce four things on the upside. And here's the first one. Maybe God's brought you here to say, or hear me say, we need to downsize our debt. It's, it's the big one for most people, is debt. Now, if you've got a lot of debt, it's not necessarily because you're a bad person or you're stupid or, or uh, whatever. It's just that you got sucked in to one of the, the most... Uh, uh, difficult, most alluring scams that Satan has proliferated on our society, and that is that everybody ought to have a good amount of debt in their lives. It's like the Elvis song, we're caught in a trap, we can't get out. But we can get out. If we, if we decide that this really is a problem, that we really could do something about it, um, we can get out of it. Now, what do people do to get out of it? They say, God, help me make more money. Well, you're probably making a lot more money than you were five years ago or ten years ago, but the problem's still the same. So the prayer maybe shouldn't be, God, help me make more money, but it's, God, help me make more of the money that I make. You just pray that every day. God, help me make more out of the money that I make. In fact, just say it with me. God, help me make more out of the money that I make. What a great prayer. Now, to do this, you know, you've got to figure out where it's going. I mean, really, that's the first step, is to look at where all the money is going. And uh, you know why we don't look at where all the money is going? Because it's painful. It's painful. When you finally sit down and you look everywhere the money's going, it produces pain. I remember when I did this, uh, I recited a universally soothing uh, word, and I want you to say it with me after I say it. Okay. Okay, just say that. Okay. You know, you look at the horror, the pain, and you say, okay. You say it again. Okay. All right. See, you just get it out. It just helps. Helps you deal with it because it's painful to see it. I was talking to Solomon, and Solomon was telling me that when he wants to know something, in his brain, he has an app store. And he goes to the app store, and he downloads an app, and it's free, Dad, in my brain. <laughs> well, most of us don't have an app for figuring out where all the money's going. But there are apps that are available. There are websites that are available to help us do it. So we need to figure out where's it going. Second thing is we need to talk about where it's going and where we'd like it to go. Uh, they did a survey of divorced couples, and one of the six things that they regretted the most was that they didn't talk more about money. It was the biggest area of contention. And, of course, when they got divorced, that didn't help anything in the area of money. We need to talk more about money. Where is it going, and where do we want it to go? Where would we like to, to spend give, save, how could we pay down the debt? we got to talk about it. And then once we talk about it, we can develop a plan. We can, we can decide 
uh, what it is we want to do with it, develop a plan to where we can cut down on our spending. Like maybe, maybe give away one of the pets. Uh, how, we, where do we start the saving process? Um, you know, maybe we can't give 10% to the church, but we could start with 1%, and, and, and we could make a habit of giving. But we've got to have a plan. And the plan often starts with pain. But we can get through that pain. So I just start with probably the most important thing that people could do is to downsize their debt. Second thing is, we need to downsize our fret. And, and when we downsize debt, we often downsize the fret that we go through. We're spending too much time up in our head dealing with the money. You know, when I turned 59, all these lights came on in my life about what I wanted to do. And not only did I want to reduce the fret in my life, but when I died, I didn't want my family to have any fret over finances. So I decided I needed to make some changes. And I'm not saying this is what God's calling you to do, but I'm saying that's where God was working on me. About 15 years ago, I bought a yellow convertible, Mercedes convertible, 1971. It was owned by Barbara Streisand, and I used to drive through the streets of Laguna singing people and all this other stuff because, you know, it was my car. I loved that car, and I just decided it's so old and it requires so much maintenance. The fret was too much, so I, I just said, maybe God's calling me to sell it. And, uh, and I, I sold it. And, uh, you know, I, I got over it. Uh, we lived out on the lake. We had the boat, the pool, and, and just the maintenance and the upkeep and uh, all that stuff. And, and, uh, and I just, we felt like God was saying, let's just downsize. And, and I'm not saying that that's what God's calling you to do, but, boy, that sure was what he's calling us to do. And the less fret is such a gift. To not have to worry about so many different things. I'm just saying, maybe God's saying that you've gotten too caught up in the worries and frustrations and things like that over the money. Matthew 13, 22 talks about the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries or the frets of life and the lure of wealth so that no fruit is produced. Colossians 3 2 says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. So too much debt and too much fret, we can get so caught up in the things of the earth that we miss the focus on God and what God wants for us. He says in Matthew 6:33, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything that you need. Third thing, we can downsize our regret. We are making decisions that we are either in 20 years going to give ourselves an amazing gift, or we're going to give ourselves a gift that keeps on giving, and that is a gift of regret. Yeah, you know, you want to take a vacation. But if you can't afford that vacation, 
the memories that you're creating will not be worth it. They will just fill you with regret in 20 years. And so I'm inviting you, downsize your regret by, by giving yourself, starting to give yourself an amazing gift that you can open 20 years from now. Now, you just can't presume that everything's going to go well, that you're going to continue to have the job that you have, the economy's going to stay the same, that your health is going to stay the same, or something could happen that's going to cause you to regret that you didn't do all you could do when you could do it. Now, you know, some people regret that they don't have a lot of money or they lost their money, not because they were irresponsible or stupid or, or whatever. You did the best you could. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Money doesn't mean you're smart. I know a lot of people that they have money and, and they're just absolutely stupid. But they inherited or they were the right place, right time. Uh, you know, money doesn't do for us a lot of things that we expect it to do. It doesn't free you. A lot of times it enslaves you. And most of us know that money doesn't make you happy. Have you ever pulled up alongside somebody driving a Rolls Royce? Have you ever seen any of them look happy? Some of the weirdest people. I mean, I'm sorry if you drive a Rolls Royce, but you, you're, you're kind of weird. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I've just never seen anybody just, you know, high-fiving, having a good time there, and they're so worried somebody's going to hit it, I think. But it doesn't produce happiness. And and do you respect people with a lot of money? You know, the people I respect don't have a lot of money. i, I got to tell you, financially, the person I respect most is Darren. Darren doesn't make a big salary, but he does more with the money that he makes than anybody that I know. So we have to kind of downsize our regret by downsizing what we're expecting out of money today so that we can give ourselves a gift maybe 20 years from now. Hebrews 13.5 says, Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never, ever forsake you. One man said, You know, I started out with nothing and I still have most of it. <laughs> you know, that, that is a state of regret. So we can downsize our debt fret, and regret. And when we do, we get to experience the upside of net, whatever is left. The upside of net. And we start with net worth. We will be worth more if we'll do that. And our lives will be worth more. We'll be, we'll be worth more to our family because we'll be more engaged with the family than we are with all of the worries that money can bring, and especially uh, the worries that debt can bring. We'll be worth more to the kingdom of God. We'll be doing things that are worth eternal value. We'll be involved in building what God has in store for us to be built by us. So our worth will increase. But so will the value of our net worship. Malachi 3.8 says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me 
But you ask, well, how are we robbing you? It's in tithes and offerings. We're not experiencing net worship if we're not worshiping God with our tithes and our offerings. And he says, if you will do it, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will reward you in such a way you will not be able to contain it. And he says, why don't you try me? It's really interesting. God's saying, try me. Give it a test and just see if I won't do it. God wants us to worship with our tithes and offerings. I really didn't understand what that meant until I went to this, uh, uh, this little chain of islands to do some missionary work called the Marshall Islands. When it came time for the offering, people got up out of their chair and they lined up all over the church. They formed this line and they came down and everybody in front of everybody brought their offering. And all they could bring, many of them, was uh, they'd go down to the beach and they'd get some little shells and they would sew together a bracelet or a necklace and they'd put it in the offering plate and then the church would sell it to tourists and that's how they would bring in their tithes and offerings people in the in the church and they had no money but they did it they found a way to worship God singing and dancing as they would come down the aisle when I was in India at this little slum Koramangala open sewage flowing every people uh, living in shacks of cardboard about this high um, and, and we had a worship service And you'd see these people that their parents had broken their arms and legs so that they could hold them and beg for money more effectively because their children were mangled. And you would see these people crawling down the aisle with little coins in their hands to put it in the offering plate to worship God with tithes and offerings. And they had nothing but they found a way to give something to worship God. And I got to tell you, when we get to heaven, those are the people who are going to be running through those streets of heaven because they worship God with their tithes and offerings. We can't do that. If we don't get that, then there's something wrong in our lives. If we just can't give back a little bit to the God who gives it all to us. There has to be a way. So when we downsize our debt and our, our fret and our regret, we increase our net worth and our net worship. We also, we also increase our net workmanship. Now here's, here's a great verse. Listen to this. Psalm 139.14 says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. And Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Everybody knows that there's no snowflake that's alike, but have we stopped to think that there is no other person made on the face of this earth No, out of the 7 billion people that are here today and the billions that have come before us and the billions that will come after us, no one will be just like you. You are the workmanship of God. He planned for you even before you were in the womb. 
He made you with talents and skills and abilities and gave you experiences. And the, and the question is, are you doing what God wants you to be doing? That's the question. Are you doing what He wants you to do? Is His workmanship being maximized in your life because you're doing what He wants you to do? Or are you being hampered by maybe uh, working to make money you don't need or you're spending too much so you're, you're, you're really kind of employed by the money that you borrowed? Uh, if you don't downsize it, it's going to continue to master you. I, I love this uh, passage where it says in Isaiah 49, 5, And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb, to be his servant, who commissioned me. God commissioned you. Just like you pay for a, somebody to make a painting, God paid you to make you the best you you could be. He paid for it on the cross so that you could become the greatest person that his workmanship could help you become. And if money is hampering that workmanship in your life, then we need to do something about it. And then when we downsize, one of the greatest increases in net is in the increase of net wonder. It becomes a wonder when people see you go from someone that is struggling with debt and, and expenses and, and all the fret that goes with it to somebody that is free financially. It's amazing. Your children will be in wonder when they see the transformation. You will be in wonder. When you start to use your money the way God wants you to, you will see the wonder of kingdom building as a result of what you have done with your money. You know, there's a, there's a great story in the New Testament Everybody knows this story about the man who was lowered through the roof. He was paralyzed, and uh, Jesus forgives him of his sins, and, and then he, uh, he heals him and tells this guy to get up and, and walk. And, and it reads like this. It says, Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched the man jump up and pick up his mat and go home, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Well, I believe that if God could heal that paralyzed man, God could heal your financial paralysis. He can heal all of our financial paralysis. He can help us pick up our mat of, of false beliefs and misconceptions about money, and He can pick, help us pick it up and run into financial freedom. And just as the people of that day were so amazed to see that man who had been so paralyzed get up and walk, the people around you would be so full of wonder at what God had done. It would be a sermon like nobody could preach. 
because they'd see it in your life. I'll close with this. Back in um, 1977, Colleen McCullough wrote a best-selling novel called The Thornbirds. It was based on a legend of a bird that flies through the air, finds a sharp, long thorn, and pierces itself through and sings until it dies. In her novel, um, which would later become a miniseries, in her novel she writes this about that bird. The bird with the thorn in its breast, it follows an immutable law. It is driven by it knows not what to impale itself and die singing. At the very instant the thorn enters, there is no awareness in it of the dying to come. It simply sings and sings until there is not the life left to utter another note. But when we put the thorns in our breasts, we know, we understand, and still we do it. Still we do it. Those words are so true that they reflect what Paul wrote to Timothy in the 6th chapter of 1 Timothy, verse 9 and 10. People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Maybe, just maybe God has brought us here today to say, hey, we knowingly have pierced ourselves through and we can take that thorn out and we never, ever have to do it again. We can downsize our debt, our fret, and our regret. Now here's the challenge. The challenge for all of us here is to decide to do one thing to move closer to thriving and away from striving and just surviving. One thing. Can you think of one thing? One simple thing that you could do that could make a difference, that could bring financial freedom into your life. It could be giving away a pet. I don't know what it is for your family, but, but somehow God might be moving you to do something you don't want to do. I pray that you'll have the courage to leave here today. Talk about your money. Talk about what God is moving in your heart 
to get you to do so that you are no longer piercing yourself through like a bird driven by some force that it knows not what. Pray with me. Lord, uh, thank you for what you give us. Thank you for uh, the strength to make a new, a new decision today, a new commitment, a new plan. Uh, I pray, Lord, that in a year, many people will be sitting here thinking that day, that November the 4th, the day that the, uh, the clocks changed, that was the day that something changed in me. And I decided to make the most of the money that you give me. I pray that, Lord. And I pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you help?